If you're in the market for a super addictive puzzle game, you have to check out Mini Motorways on Apple Arcade. It's a city planning strategy puzzler with an incredibly satisfying gameplay loop. Enjoy unlimited access to over 200 incredibly fun games with no ads and no in-app purchases. From puzzle and adventure games to sports, racing and multiplayer action games, everyone can count on finding something to love. Head to sifter.com.au slash arcade to start your free trial of Apple Arcade today. That's sifter.com.au slash arcade for a free one-month trial of Apple Arcade, and you'll be supporting independent video games journalism. New subscribers only, $9.99 a month after free trial. Plan automatically renews after trial until cancelled. Hello and welcome to episode 31 of Pixel Sift. My name is Gianni and as per usual, I'm joined by my co-hosts Mitch and Scott. Hey, per hey. usual. Per usual. Mm. Hey, hey. Uh, today we have an interview with Kalgoorlie developers Outback Pixels, a husband and wife duo who make games from the red heart of WA. Sitting down and doing databasing and that sort of thing, Yeah, net, net, I've never been one for that. So it's just really, really, it's the fun that, that comes in designing and putting together an idea and then seeing that come to life in, in the hands of somebody else when you when you pass that game over and they play it. Yeah, we're also talking when business gets personal, how one person's online persona can affect the whole public image of one company. And finally, we're looking into the Senate inquiry into Australian games industry, the good, the bad and the obvious coming out of that one. All that on today's show. Also, if you're in Perth, um, you can listen to a very special collector's edition of uh, Pixel Sift on Radio Fremantle, which is 107.9 FM from 3 to 4 every Thursday, which is kind of on right now if you're watching live. But um, you know, We're competing with ourselves. We're competing with ourselves. Oh. You're going to switch. Don't change that dial. Stay on this one here. Uh, and that'll be on until the 2nd of June. For, that, for now, though, let's get underway. Pixel Sift. No, seriously, Pixel Sift. <laughs> no, seriously. Pixel Sift. All right, so we've all been guilty of at some point of that snarky Facebook or Twitter post, but what happens when game developers use their personal accounts to poke their rivals with a metaphorical stick? As it turns out, the developers of the Battlefield series have done just that, and their target, the Call of Duty Infinite Warfare trailer. Do we know if this is in jest? Is it kind of like, or does it seem like they've got the barbs out and they're all actually right. trying to well, inflict a bit of damage? I don't know about doing damage, but like uh, with looking on looking on these Twitter posts, it's like um, this is called Roland Smed Smedberg, just like his post recently. Like today, I watched the new Call of Duty trailer. How quaint! Those cute little free cam shots and pre- precious 2010 graphics and grade school <laughs> editing. Quaint. That's pretty condescending. What, what, what is this? <laughs> just, just plain mean. Yeah. Like, um, I mean, he does yeah. go on. To be fair, he does go absolutely on. go on. Yeah, he's like. Uh, where he's like, what can I say? I did not like the look of it. Ugly. Use of depth of field. Lighting. Depth of field lighting dull. But all this not bad looking game. <laughs> like, so, the thing is, though, if you do something like this and you make a very similar yeah. genre of game yeah. that's going to be in direct competition with this game in particular, you know, you got to believe that people are going to be putting out the old uh, yeah. well, magnifying glass. And, and Battlefield and Call of Duty haven't always had the healthiest of uh, rivalries, I guess. Yeah. Um, but he does he does come around kind of at the end and says uh, to say that uh, come Friday the internet will melt. <laughs> come Friday the internet will melt. He's pretty confident about that. So uh, he's Kim Kardashian. Reveal. 
yeah. he's kimming it. He's calling it, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so, you know, there's there's this... I guess it's a, a challenge that you've got to do where, you know, you move from being a, a person on the internet to a person representing a company on the internet. And there's lots of examples of where uh, people have had, you know, big online fights and, uh, you know, there's been consequences to the actions that people have taken. And it's, I, I, I guess it's true for anyone on the internet. You never know when someone's yeah. going to take whatever you do and, and blow it out of proportion. And, and it's really hard coming up from like the, I guess, the amateur ranks, not saying that they are, but, you know, as you come up from, you know, being, I guess, just the starting up in your field and then... Before you know it, you're someone that needs to be, you know, taken quite seriously and take themselves very seriously in the social media realm. Because no make... one sits you down and teaches you what to do, no, really, or like more a lot, not what to do, or what not to do. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, if your expertise is, is making games and that's a really the thing that you're focusing on, then you know it's very easy that, that some of these other things that you may be dealing with may. You know, you may miss them. Also, like sarcasm and stuff doesn't, uh, you know, doesn't uh, translate well. It doesn't does not. translate no. well. It's just, you know, it's just not part of social media. And I, a lot of this kind of Twitter uh, back and forth stuff is really kind of bantery, which you know we as Australians really kind of love and appreciate. But you know, in that kind of digital realm, it doesn't kind of make as much sense as we'd like it to. You know? Yeah, I know and- you know. Yeah, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. I can hear your voice, though, so it makes a difference. If you wrote down what you said... Uh, maybe not. Maybe I'll be Especially, like... Ooh. I mean, I can be a bit of a smart-ass. So, no, so it's Christmas something card. I really appreciate, because I need to be careful with what yeah. I write online, because it can it does get taken wrong all yeah. the time. Because Pixel, Pixel Sip could just shake up the gaming world with what you can post. <laughs> Dropping yeah. some bombs. Yeah. Dropping some bombs. <laughs> this isn't the first time this has happened, though. Gary Newman and Notch have infamously exchanged words. As recently as... The 1st of May, uh, the, um, not the 1st of May, sorry, the, um, oh, I've lost my post. Whoops. Uh, very yeah. recently, this yeah, year. Yeah, very recently. <laughs> Last couple of months or so. Yeah. Um, so basically, he said, took a screenshot of Notch's profile from Gary's, uh, Gary Newman's perspective on Twitter. It's just like, did I make Notch mad again? Or was this left over from last time? And it just has a picture of Notch's profile with the, you are blocked from following Notch. And viewing his content. To be fair, their fights, <laughs> uh, online fights, go back um, five years or so, yeah. probably even longer. Actually, I just don't know of them further back. It's really interesting. I have followed both of them online when they were both kind of like amicable, and they were kind of like, mm-hmm. "Oh, hey man, I really enjoy your game." Like, "Hey, I like your game, game too." And then all of a sudden, some things started happening, and they both started responding to it. And you know, Notch would say something, and then Gary would respond, and then it just became this big, big thing. I mean, those guys—they are the epitome of like self-made businesses you know they don't have a company that they represent other than their own brand yeah notch now obviously has sold uh, mo yang to to microsoft but you know he represents himself um but yeah other people like gary you know he'd say, but there are companies as well for example where you know someone has kind of gone out and had a bit of a had a bit of a, a bit of a whinge do, o- do online you think, like <laughs> it could be like some kind of theater to this like you know how like you know professional like i guess like the wwe wrestlers they kind of like don't really hate each other yeah they're like, not it's really... just like in the public view it's just a it's spectacle. a character yeah. yeah do you think it could be like that well i don't know it can be depends You're... i'm not i'm not, I'm not equating in the... any way that video game developers are wwe wrestlers no you <laughs> but, think is it a persona or an all. act that yeah. they're putting on um no they're really getting hit with chess for deaths yeah. in wrestling. Um, <laughs> and one of those guys. Sarcasm on the internet. Johnny. Yeah, sarcasm on the internet. There was a uh, developer who developed the game uh, Paranautical Activity. Mm. He was uh, kind of unhappy with the process of his game releasing on Steam. Went out there, went a bit berserk online, <laughs> um, including death threats to Valve, the head of Valve, uh, Gabe Newell. Uh, it was... It was I think it's fair to say it was a bit of a tirade. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, a loose it, series of vitriolic tweets. Yeah. So, even. He a, so he threatened to kill Gabe Newell. Oh, he called Valve incompetent, uh, and he 
he said Steam's awful monopoly. Oh, sorry about the words. Just, I was reading verbatim. Um, no, um, no, we'll beep that one. Uh, it's an awful <laughs> monopoly, and we have to. Yeah, it's you know lots of things that he came out and was unhappy with the process, and it became a big, a big issue. His game got pulled from Steam. Yeah, um, he's not the only person in the company. He had to sell out his share of the company in the end to his partner in the thing, and you know no one. And being on Steam is a big thing. We've talked to many developers who, who have wanted to. Um, you know, get their game onto Steam and not being on there is a, is a big blow for I someone. Think, um, and you damage your reputation. Who wants to work with you if you're going to go berserk like that with yeah, one of the biggest... You're going to be a jerk to, to, to everybody, to your audience. Yeah. I mean, and that's, that's, the, that's a part of kind of existing in this kind of digital uh, media uh, or medium uh, that a lot of these people are quite heavily involved in Twitter and, and public voicing and social whatever. And also um, when you are passionate about something you've been working on for a long time, sometimes you don't have the best judgment. Sometimes the immediate feelings that come to you are probably not the best ones and maybe you do need to have someone pull back and say, hey, take, take, yeah. take your hand off the enter button, put, walk away from the keyboard, go for a walk, cool, cool your jets for a bit and we won't have to you know, you know, deal with this. Yeah, someone had- just liked our video on... YouTube the other day, I was like, no, no, yeah, yeah. Well, we had yeah. um, composer, composer, even Marty McDonald and uh, O'Donnell, sorry, announced his departure from Bungie via Twitter. Uh, you know, what was it, two years ago or something? Yeah, and that all came about. I think that came up last year again. Phil Fish, the developer of the game Fez, who was working on Fez Two as well, had a a, a bit of a, a announcement that he was not going to work on Fez Two at all. wasn't going to be making games at all anymore. Had kind of had had his day, yeah. um, and kind of decided that was it for him. So not really having a whinge, but definitely using the social media platform to talk about not only your professional but uh, personal life. And I think that's the issue that um, keeping the line divide between the two, so he's not getting trouble. Basically, exactly right. Well, let's jump into our next topic right now. You're listening to Pixelsift, or you might be watching Pixelsift on Twitch. Pixelsift. Now, when you mention to most people the city of Kalgoorlie Boulder, one of the first things that's going to come to mind is the mines, <laughs> and it's a big regional uh, city in the heart of WA that's mostly famous for gold. This week, I spoke to Outback Pixels. They're a husband and wife game development team based in Cal, and we talked isolation, community, and leaving behind a business to work on something completely different. Hi, I'm Jeremy from Outback Pixels, and I am the programmer, and I wear many other hats that uh, Kim throws at me on a day, and I throw many more back at her. (laughs) Hi, I'm Kim. And yeah, mainly I'm the artist, I'm the world builder, creative person. I'm also doing um, the social media side of things and the marketing side and give all the hats back to Jeremy if I have to. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, can you tell me a little bit about the games that you've uh, you know worked on so far and the ones that you're working on at the moment? Well, the first one, uh, well, the two games that we displayed on Friday night, the play-up event at level one, uh, the first one was Roid Rage. That was released around early February, or sorry, late February. It's a speed tapper, um, a frantic speed tapper with a extensive upgrade system. Thwart, the second game, um, is a easy to play, hard to master, arcade style shooter um, across all mobile platforms. Scales really nicely. As a program, I need to put those sort of plugs in because no one talks about those sorts of things very often. And you just mentioned that there's some things that people don't mention. What have you kind of learned uh, along your you know, journey of making games so far? 
oh, how long have you got, Gianni? <laughs> um, <laughs> basically, uh, for the last two years, we've sort of been focused on, um, yeah, developing our skills to a level where we can actually get to the point of publishing games, stepping out of uh, businesses that had nothing to do with this industry. Everything's been a learning curve on a daily basis. So what were you doing before you were kind of you jumped into the world of, of making games? So prior, um, I had a business for 10 years in, in sales effectively or automotive automotive uh, spare parts. I woke up one morning and realised, well, on quite a few mornings, that this isn't what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. So got rid of that and thought, yeah, programming's the way to go. How do I do it? And uh, I've sort of been in and out of that scene just sort of as a, as a hobby. And I wanted to make that hobby a, a full-time, full-time business or full-time activity. Um, and luckily enough, I'm, I'm married to a wonderful artist, um, Kim, who's sitting next to me. And when you're, I guess, you know, jumping into a world like this, um, why did you go for games over some sort of other programming? You know, there would be other stuff out there, especially in Kalgoorlie, I'd imagine, where there'd be people making programs for uh, the mining industry and other industries around there where you could get your, you know, your programming fix or what was it about games that really captured you? Yeah, when, when I say programming is probably my fix, it's probably more the fact of uh, the interactivity and, and the amusement or the fun. It's just the fun of games. Um, sitting down and doing databasing and that sort of thing, Yeah, ne- ne- I've never been one for that. It's the fun that, that comes in designing and putting together an idea and then seeing that come to life. And Kim, what is it about designing games that really appeals to you? I must say, coming from graphic design, I think creating games is more like another outlet, another creative outlet. And um, yeah, it was just another way to explore my creativity, just to create little worlds and you can explore them. And I was just so amazed about um, the art styles in games that I was like, cool, I really want to create something similar too. And what have you noticed anything that was really sort of inspiring or have you found things that you've, you know, you've really liked aesthetically that you'd like to work with or do something similar with? Um, I really enjoyed um, Ori and of course uh, Monument Valley. That is like the art style I really, I was just amazed by it. This little world that they created it was beautiful and so handcrafted and hand-painted textures. I'm like, wow. Definitely. I think that's a pretty common reaction. When you're making a, a like a mobile game, you've only got a very small amount of space in, in most hand, in times and people have got it, their hands over the top of the screen a lot of the time. What do you have to think about when you're making uh, a game and, and making it work well in terms of the way it looks and the way that people can read the game? That's something we were really, really uh, thoughtful of or mindful of when we were putting, uh, when I was putting Thwart together. Um, we, we wanted a system that still gives you access to the screen um, in exactly what you just said, Gianni, there with the person's going to, if it's a tapping game, for example, that person's got their hand over the top of, of the actual play area. Um, so we've been very mindful of that. Um, Roid Rage, for example, a lot of the time your hand is directly over what you're trying to, or the asteroid you're trying to blow up on the screen. And that is a very frantic game. So that works, but I, I do notice that you've got to sort of tilt to the left or right to get that vision in. Um, it still works well in that game. Coming into Thwart though, it was like look, looking at the device, um, now all touch, touch devices or mobile devices, it's okay, let's imagine that's a controller like for an Xbox or a PlayStation, pick your console. Um, and how would we use that device exactly like um, a controller? So the, the, the quickest thing that came to us was, okay, two thumbs, 
Um, let's try to keep the player's hands away from the centre of the screen when most of the action takes place. Let's still not ignore the edges, obviously, with a wraparound for enemies and, and um, the player. On top of that, we thought, hang on, what other controls can we actually integrate into the game? And that's where we thought, well, obviously, with an accelerometer in, well, nearly all, all mobile devices these days, including iPads, um, what can we do with that shake? And that's where the warp was sort of born as well. You, you mentioned that you're kind of learning things from how you you know play the game as well. And um, what have you noticed when other people are playing your games and what sort of feedback have you had? We, we probably notice a lot that a lot of the things we think um, is very different to what other people think. <laughs> um, yeah, that, that's, that's a really good question, Gianni. I think the, the, the biggest feedback we've got so far to date from both games that, that, um, that we featured on the Friday um, was just the difficulty in teaching the player how to play the game. Um, I think that's that's the biggest thing that we've taken from that so far. With uh, mobile games, you know, there's obviously a lot of them out there um, and people tend to have a short attention span when they're playing games like this. How do you, I guess, what, what, if, what are the plans for going forward in terms of communicating things really quickly to people? And, and have you seen any other good examples that you think, oh, that's a great way to, to tell people how to play this game? Mobile for us is we, we're not intending on staying mobile. I guess, I guess really where we're shooting is we come up with a bunch of ideas. We have a bunch of ideas floating around our heads, whether we sort of proto, rapid prototype those on paper, um, chuck them up in Unity, um, you know, white box sort of stuff to see if an idea works. And then we start, start to think how big this game going to be for us and then what platform will that actually be better suited for. As far as I know, and you can probably tell me about this, you guys are probably the only people in Kalgoorlie who are actually making games. What is it like making games, uh, not only in being WA, which is far from the rest of the games industry, which is very Eastern States focused, but also being quite far from the capital city of uh, WA, which is Perth? I'd probably say it's it's like anywhere else. I guess if you've got a your, your own workspace, um, I'd say it's got its advantages and disadvantages. It's, it's the exposure, um, and that's what last weekend attending an event in Perth uh, really stood out for us because that gives us exposure to other developers, other like-minded people, and people that are just in the industry. When you talk about sort of travelling to things, um, you know, I've. You guys mentioned that you've been over to uh, PAX over in Melbourne to sort of do a bit of reconnaissance and see what the sort of scene is like and stuff like that. Do you figure that that's going to be a big part of what you do for any games that come out in the future? Are you going to be having to take your game out to uh, these different places where people are or, or are you going to be able to try and, you know, market them online or... I think I think it's a combination of, of all of the above. Um, I think you have to have a presence at these events. Um, sure, I'm, I'm sure there's some overnight um, success stories where where you were discovered by someone else um, with some new big title. Um, but I think for us, or 99% of us that are out here making games, I think you need to have a presence at these um, expos, whether it's packs, whether it's play-up events, local play-up events, um, a combination of both, Gianni, yeah. So other than the games you're working on at the moment, what, what's the sort of forward plan for you guys? Yeah, crunch time with Thought Geo. Um, we're looking to submit a release by the end of this week. Um, so things are a bit mad at the moment, just processing feedback from the weekend. Um, 
We've got a little bit of uh, stuff to poke around with Roid Rage as well. A few little things have sort of popped up in the inbox for us to do. But our way forward is once thoughts thoughts out there, aside from the general maintenance stuff, um, we've, we're working pretty heavily on a PC platform now, um, survival game. And I won't say too much about that, um, but it is survival, and it's going to have a bit of a different spin to the current survivals that you see out there. will be co-op. Um, so, multi, so, so internet or multiplayer, online multiplayer, but it's going to have a heavy co-op theme, not just multiplayer shoot each other in the head. So, yeah, I'm pretty excited for that. Well, look, if people want to find out some more information about all the stuff that you guys are working on, where are the best places for them to head to? Uh, yeah, they can hit us up at Twitter um, at Outback Pixels. Uh, we've also got Facebook, um, Outback Pixels, and www.outbackpixels.com.au. Jeremy and Kim from Outback Pixels there. As he mentioned, go to their website to check out their stuff. Thwart Geo is the new game that's going to be coming out very soon for the app stores online. You can check those ones out there. We've stuck a few links up to some gameplay videos you can watch of that as well. Pixel Sieve! It's not Pixel Sieve. It's Pixel Sifter. Pixel Sieve! Tough. So, last week, the Environment and Communications References Committee put forward the report into the future of Australia's video game industry. The committee was made up of Senators Anne Urquhart, Linda Reynolds, Anne McEwen, Chris Back, Scott Ludlam in replacement of Larissa Waters, and lastly, the Honourable Lisa Singh. They came together putting forward eight major recommendations for reform of video game funding, titled Game On, More Than Playing Around. The report aims to get the Australian government to introduce a scheme similar to the previous Australian Interactive's Game Fund. Now, it was a big blow when the fund was removed. Uh, Some West Australian developers, such as Black Lab Games, who we've talked to with their game Starhammer, um, Gnomic Studios as well with their game Square Heroes were recipients of that, Armello as well that we talked about. Uh, had some funding from that as well. Lots of games were big games. The yeah. ones that are like we all know about um, were recipients of this original funding model, um, but then it was removed. So what were some of the recommendations, Scott? Uh, so there, like I said, there was eight uh, major recommendations and there's lots of you know, sub under that as uh, government kind of committee references and stuff go. Uh, but anyway, the major recommendations are, number one, uh, that the Australian government introduces a funding scheme based on the former Australian Interactive Games Fund, of course, uh, number two, the introduction of a refundable tax offset for Australian expenditure in the development of game titles. There's lots of those that actually exist already for other industries. I was just reading about one the other day, which exists for the wine industry. You know, they, t- they can claim back a bit of tax that you've really? already paid. Yeah. Um, so why not have something similar for, for games? Look, it's not nothing ridiculous about any of these recommendations. Mm. They're all fair. And there's mm. something that, like, they, they existed in a f- sort of fashion before. And it's just about kind of putting them back where they need to be. Uh, so number three... The committee recommends the Australian government encourage and contribute financial assistance for the creation of shared working spaces modelled around the arcade in other locations. Um, Level one that we've got yeah, here exactly. in Western Australia is a, a model as well. So basically, it's just yeah, supporting the current mm-hmm. framework that you know the game industry has already got out there. Um, uh, number four, to encourage the further uptake of serious games in healthcare, education and other sectors and production of these games by the Australian video game development industry. The committee recommends that the Australian government facilitate dialogue between video game industry associations and groups that use or could potentially use serious games, which, you know, as far as training goes, that's the future. You know, it's silly to kind of take it anywhere else when games are doing, you know, that kind of thing so well already. 
Well, you think about like if you were trying to advertise a particular, you know, maybe a big health thing, uh, a campaign that they're running, they want you to stop doing X or they want you to start doing Y. Mm-hmm. Um, why not do that through a game? Before they used to spend a lot of money on advertising and we know that young people don't watch as much television uh, as they use as, you know, their parents did or their grandparents did. So it makes sense to target people using the medium that they're using, yeah. um, which is gaming. So why one, not make that a part? Find 30 these, the game. One of these things stuck, stuck out to me, actually, the internet infrastructure ah. bit of the document. and it's That uh, is recommendation number eight. Yeah. Ah, yep. I was getting to it. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. So we'll, yeah. we'll work through the steps yeah. just yeah. so I don't get lost and re- yeah. you know, rehash things. Uh, so number five, the Australian government, cons- uh, the committee recommends the Australian government consider the tax implication of crowdsource funding for startups, including whether temporary tax relief should be available for income that new businesses gain from crowdsource funding. Yeah, they do lots of these sort of projects. It basically, with all the recommendations, it seems that we should be treating the industry, the games industry, in the same way that we treat many other industries in Australia. And that's, for example, it's it's all about legitimacy. And to actually sort of recognise the fact that people making games are doing it as as a business, are doing it in the same way that people who are making films or television programs or even other small businesses uh, have costs to pay, have um, things that they're interested in, you know, supporting their staff and having all that sort of stuff, and let's uh, get them to, you know, earn a bit money and pay a bit of tax and help the Australian economy. Well, part of number six does uh, go on to ex- uh, cover the part of export market development. Basically, they uh, it's they recommend that the Australian government develop a discussion paper and consult on the utility of the export market development grant scheme for businesses that operate in the digital economy. Um, and that's the thing, like a, a lot of uh, games, you know, uh, their success comes from their export. I think Australians contribute about three percent to the global gaming market. So you know that that's that's all uh, that's all export. Yeah. So if they're going to support the industry, it's only going to be beneficial for the uh, you know overall export of you know. And it Australian also does a lot of things wares. as well. You say you know you're putting things out that have been made by Australians that sort of have a you know Australian flavour in the same way that movies do. You know, we, it's a cultural thing that we it's, want to share culture and yep. and all of that sort of stuff. Speaking of export, there was a. Sabine uh, Heindel, who she's the executive director of uh, SWH Legal and Business Consulting, was one of the uh, people who talked, spoke to the committee. Um, yep. And she said the next recommendation was in terms of developing and retaining cutting-edge game development talent in here in, w, in Australia. Um, I think the committee have already heard that a number of graduates are coming through wonderful institutions with these sorts of skills. However, far too many, unfortunately, uh, are for the industry at present while what's happening is a lot of these talented young people have to go to the United States Canada parts of Europe unfortunately to get jobs we're seeing a real brain drain in terms of that and the sort of skills that students come out with in Australia around games development itself it makes them quite hard to go and start up a small games company within Australia so you know that's exactly like talking about we're losing talent that are going so we're not, to we're not supporting it on the back end <laughs> well if yeah, you and don't it means that people are making elsewhere yeah people are making uh, games in other parts of the world Australians are going and contributing to that and and it means that money that could have stayed hidden in Australia for the Australian games industry is now being earned mm. by Australians overseas it's, for other people's games industries. Even on like a macro level, people are leaving WA yeah. to go to Melbourne. Exactly. Uh-huh. And right. it's like it's even on that level and it's it, affecting. It, it happens yeah. in every arts community. You know, you've got your music, you've got your games, you've got your everything. You know, Mel- unfortunately, Melbourne or even to the lesser extent Sydney are you know, the places that people we lose people to constantly. Just to quote a previous episode of Pixel Civ, Melbourne. <laughs> 
Turn it down a bit. <laughs> yeah. Just but a bit. It's chill. Yeah. I think Melbourne is actually a, a really good example of what they've done right in that yes. the state uh, film, Film Victoria, has actually done a lot to support that industry. And they said that if we have a whole of government sort of thing, like we had the original um, games funding before, yep. we could have that sort of uh, industries popping up everywhere. And we wouldn't have it in one particular state. We'd have a diversified thing where people can move between different areas, um, can contribute to uh, different com- uh, companion industries, for example, like training we did talk about earlier as well. Um, but there's lots of things like uh, there's a VR company in Fremantle that do uh, virtual reality houses. So you can go and if you're going to rent a house, go and walk through the house before you go and test I, it out. I saw one the other day that you just hold up your, iPod, uh, your iPad and it's like augmented reality and you can see your house sitting on your pad in crazy. Yeah, future. Do, a, do a development or something. You want to put an extension on your house, hold up your thing and that's what it looks like. I'll jump you know, in so I get these recommendations sure. through. Yeah. Number seven is about uh, uh, diversity of the workforce and, and providing fair employment conditions, which is just great. We'll jump into number eight because I know it's going to be great for everybody involved and it reaches outside of the video game industry and I know Mitch was gagging to get to it. Recommendation hey. number eight. The committee recommends that the Australian government commit to rolling out 21st century broadband infrastructure. Which is, you know, long overdue. Do you want to clap? I mean, clap te- for that one. Technically, <laughs> that is always the plan. That's what's what's supposed to be happening with the the MBN. Um, but maybe it just needs uh, a bit of direction, a bit of a, a move along. Um, focus on particular areas, and maybe say, you know, yes, we've got people in Melbourne, but let's set up a, a game development district in uh, Perth, for example, in Melbourne, <laughs> in Brisbane, in Adelaide, uh, yeah. Tasmania, where Jason Imms was from. But you look- know, any of these places have. Let's have a nice hub where we can focus on that first. Bring people in and make it so that we can compete worldwide and work worldwide. And that's it. Bringing up the current the infrastructure, so that the broadband infrastructure, so that everyone in the nation can compete at an international level. Like regardless of where they are and you know whatever, it's we're not struggling and falling behind like we kind of seem to be at the moment. Exactly. Well, look, there's going to be this all this stuff uh, sort of influences policy down the, the track. It's uh, just recommendations that have been made to the government. We'll see if any of this stuff sort of comes about. You know, it's all, only time will tell. Great submissions made by heaps of WA people as well. I should yeah. have mentioned that. Heaps. Yeah. Heaps. It, heaps. The list is long. Very great. Uh, thank you guys for tuning in. That's all we've got time for this week on Pixel Sift. Uh, as usual, we'll be putting all the stuff up on our website so you can check out all the information on there. We've got links to Outback Pixels. Have a read the, of the document. Have a, have a read through. It's pretty. It's not too bad to read it's through. Not, it's not a long one, and, yeah. it, and it'll just yeah, it'll add on to what we did. That's right. Uh, Scott, where can people find us on social people, media? You can find us at facebook.com forward slash pixel sift, twitter.com forward slash pixel sift, twitch.tv forward slash pixel sift, and youtube.com forward slash pixel sift au. And Mitch, if people want to listen to our other episodes, where should they head to? Yeah, you can go to our site to stream the episodes, um, subscribe to our podcast, so the iTunes Pocket Cast, or using the RSS link on our page. There's a bunch of other things. Yeah. We're on, we're on every heaps. platform. You can find it. Um, we're also on Radio Fremantle 107.9 FM on Thursdays. You can have a listen to that. And if you're on iTunes, if you downloaded us, the podcast give us a rating review we'd really appreciate it helps people find the show maybe come see us at the uh at the glitch in a couple of weeks time uh, as we do our perth rocket league invitational and you can see some streaming of that as well that's it we've got that's all we've got time for so let's see you guys again next week peace out see ya
If you're in the market for a super addictive puzzle game, you have to check out Mini Motorways on Apple Arcade. It's a city planning strategy puzzler with an incredibly satisfying gameplay loop. Enjoy unlimited access to over 200 incredibly fun games with no ads and no in-app purchases. From puzzle and adventure games to sports, racing and multiplayer action games, everyone can count on finding something to love. Head to sifter.com.au slash arcade to start your free trial of Apple Arcade today. That's sifter.com.au slash arcade for a free one-month trial of Apple Arcade and you'll be supporting independent video games journalism. New subscribers only, $9.99 a month after free trial. Plan automatically renews after trial until cancelled. 